reading today is taken from Luke chapter 13, verses 18 to 30. Then Jesus asked, What is the kingdom of God like? What shall I compare it to? It is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his garden. It grew and became a tree, and the birds perched in its branches. Again, he asked, what shall I compare the kingdom of God to? It is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 30 kilograms of flour until it worked all through the dough. Then Jesus went through the towns and villages, teaching as he made his way to Jerusalem. Someone asked him, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? He said to them, make every effort to enter through the narrow door, because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. Once the owner of the house gets up and closes the door, you will stand outside knocking and pleading, Sir, open the door for us. But he will answer, I, do, I don't know you or where you come from. Then you will say, we ate and drank with you, and you taught in our streets. But he will reply, I don't know you or where you come from. Away from me, you evildoers. There will be weeping there and gnashing of teeth. When you see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves thrown out. People will come from east and west and north and south and will take their places in the feast in the kingdom of God. Indeed, there are those who are last who will be first and first who will be last. Please keep your Bibles open. Thank you very much. Now we've got uh, Debbie taking uh, uh, young folk out. Uh, they've got their own little group uh, to go to. So we let them head off first, and while they're going, can I say, every time they go I say this, uh, if there's anything that's not clear, or anything you want to say, there is the possibility to come back afterwards, you are welcome to say what you say after we've finished, okay? So we're not gagging anybody. And if maybe there are questions you want to ask, other things you want to say, there'll be time for that uh, after we've had a look at this passage. But as we come into it, let me ask a little question. And that is, are Christians that impressive? So, for example, if a person came in from the estate and they looked at this gang here in front of us at the moment, uh, do they look at an impressive group of people and what conclusions would they draw about God if his people are small in size and maybe very mixed ability what will they think about God as uh, they look at us will they say he's unimpressive as well or put it another way uh, we're here to uh, uh, work and explain Jesus to our estate, uh, do you think the devil will be trembling? Uh, 
if he saw us lot as the people that he had to contend with? Well, lots of people might think that he wouldn't really worry too much. One Dikaras. Well, those are the kind of thoughts that we're going to be thinking through tonight. And they come in this passage that Bim read to us so well, which is connected to the passage that we saw last week because it starts in verse 18 with the word then. Actually, it starts with the word therefore, which connects with what happened last week where Jesus went into a synagogue for the very last time and he met a crippled woman and he healed her. And the one person who you would expect to be happy with what he did was actually very angry with him. That was a synagogue ruler. And in verse 14, he is indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath and the synagogue leader said to the people, there are six days of work, come and get healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. So he is opposing God, but he's not the only one, because if you look at verse 15, Jesus talks about hypocrites. So there's more than one person, hypocrites is plural, and this man actually stands for the whole Jewish nation that has had every opportunity to hear about God, and they've not responded to him. So, Jesus had a happy ending last week. We saw in verse 17 that there were some people who were delighted and the opponents on that occasion were humiliated. But heck, we know that Jesus is going down to Jerusalem. We know that the opponents are going to win. We know he's going to die on a cross. What then for this motley little group of disciples, ex-fishermen and a crippled woman and her mates? Are they going to stand a chance against the whole Jewish establishment firing at them? What do you think? What about us, small number? Do we stand a chance with the kind of juggernaut of secular, I don't believe in God thinking, gathering momentum, heading our way? How long would you give us? Well, it's in that kind of context that uh, Jesus explains what he says. And we're going to look at it under three little sections, if you like. One is, first, that it's a growing kingdom. Secondly, we're going to find out about what I'm going to call a mirage kingdom. I'll explain when I get there. And then the third thing I want to say is about an open kingdom. Let's start with the growing uh, kingdom that Jesus talks about. Now, the Jewish people at the time expected God's kingdom to come at once and in full, just like that, God would turn up and the Romans would get booted out and in a flash the whole country would be theirs again. They expected that sort of altogether, all at once appearance of God's kingdom. Jesus, however, talks in verse 19 about a little mustard seed, a mustard seed that you can hardly see, barely visible. And it's planted in the garden. Actually, again, what it says in the original is that it was thrown into the garden. It's so small, it's like someone's flicked it off their finger into the ground somewhere. That's it. You won't see it again. And that's what the kingdom of God is like. That's small, that insignificant, and yet it becomes so big 
that it is the one place in the garden that all the birds will go there if they want some shelter and nesting space. And if you know about uh, the Old Testament part of the Bible, uh, what it's really saying when it talks about the birds coming into nest uh, comes from, uh, I put it down there on the screen, uh, a prophet called Ezekiel in the Old Testament talks about all the birds of the sky nested in its boughs, all the wild animals gave birth under its branches, all the great nations lived in its shade. So what Jesus is talking about is that actually this plant is going to be so big that the nations are going to come and find shelter underneath it. Which ties up with what Jesus says later with people coming from east, west, north, south. It's the nations that are going to be gathering into this kingdom. Although at the start it seems that tiny you can hardly see it. And it's not just external growth and size, but it's internal growth as well. There's a little bit of yeast that if you mix it up with some dough or flour in our passage, it grows to make something much bigger than you have to start with. So we don't do the proper baking stuff in our house. It's a bread machine. It's a ready mix. And you chuck the water in and it looks a blob at the bottom of the pan. Then it gets whirring and then it gets warm. You go three hours later and you've got a pan full of wonderful bread. That's how yeast works from the inside, making something very big. Now, you might look at me and say, hey, Mike, hey, that's great. You told us a nice story. Jesus can tell a nice story. Is that for real? Does it really work like that? But at the time, when Jesus said those words, you wouldn't think it was going to work like that because he was going down the road to Jerusalem where he'd die. Nothing big coming out of that, you might think. But 30 years later, that kingdom has now grown to get established. Even in Rome, there's a church there. The center of the Roman Empire and a load of other centers since. And we've lived 2,000 years and we can see that that kingdom has now got established in every city right across the world. The impossible really has happened. This mustard seed really has sprouted big time. And when he talks about yeast and the internal work that goes on, look, is that for real? Well, take a couple like Paul and Kath in the front. Who would have said that the tiny little bit of God's word that was planted in them when they came to church the first time, not such a long time ago, who would have said that that tiny little word that they heard on that occasion would eventually blossom and grow so much that it's had this effect on their lives. They would never have been able to say at that time what effect that that word would have in the way that it has. Send them out on the streets to tell other people about Jesus. Their whole family marvels at the change that's come to them. Powerful enough to internally stop someone who was addicted to drink 
to stop drinking. That yeast grew to be something far greater than they probably ever expected that day when they walked home. Yeah, it is for real. It does work like that. Now, friends, isn't that encouraging? Because the reality is that if you're following Jesus, it's always going to seem like it's something small. The original hearers of this story, the original people who read it, would have actually thought, this is so small, it will never come true. And yet, in their experience, they could see that the kingdom began to grow. And they understood it went out of Jerusalem, into other places as well. We look back and see much more than they do, that it's actually gone right across the world. Now, you might be in a small church like this, but don't forget the mustard seed. Even if you were in a mega church, to be honest, the reality is that on Monday morning at your desk, you will feel pretty small compared to the whole number of people who got off the train the way you did and probably don't believe. And if you were in Syria or in these places where Christians are attacked, you'll think even smaller still. And yet even in those places, the mustard seed principle is at work. The kingdom keeps growing. So encouraging, isn't it? It's humbling too, because it is God that does the growing. Now, we've got to be careful, because it's very easy in the Christian circles that we move in to get our models from the business world, and we think of strategies about church growth, and we press the right buttons. And it actually is really helpful, isn't it, for us to see that the random mustard seed flicked into the garden has this effect. In the last week, if you were here, it wasn't a strategic operation. Jesus went to the synagogue and there happens to be wandering in a crippled woman. So, random meeting and the mustard seed effect takes place. Other people begin to understand the goodness of God. Yeah, it's important to understand that God takes it from where a random thing might happen to make something big out of that. Here we are, a rickety old church, but who knows what happens when we go around the doors and we throw in the seed. It's a growing kingdom. Secondly, it's a warning against a mirage kingdom. Everyone knows what a mirage is. Uh, if you're in a desert and you're dying for water and you're walking through the sand, you see this wonderful lake and trees and it's not real. And you've got a mirage. Well, there's a bit of mirage kingdom going on here because I know Jesus says about the big kingdom and the little door, but the Jews at that time, if you look at verses 26 and verse 27, uh, they are absolutely convinced that they are inside this kingdom. They expect to be on the inside. Now remember, we are talking about the Jewish nation here. 
we are talking about people who were blood relations of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob that you can read about in verse 28. So how is it that they are outside and people from north, south, east and west are inside who are non-Jewish? How does it work like that? But I think what Jesus is pointing out is this very important danger that I think we really, really need to pick up on. And that is the fact that there are a number of people who might think, yeah, we ate and drank with Jesus in verse 26, but we don't want to confuse opportunity to know Jesus with a relationship with Jesus. That is not a connection we want to make. That's the connection that they made. We've eaten and drunk with you, and so we're in. No, we ate and drank with you, so you had opportunity, but you were not in. It's possible to have the opportunity relationship, but not to have the relationship. Uh, Her Majesty was once uh, very gracious and kind, and she invited uh, Debbie and me to come to Buckingham Palace uh, to have tea with her, along with a number of others. Um, And so we pitched up at Buckingham Palace, and there we were in the front, and there was the Queen just absolutely so close to us. And we could have joined the line to go and meet with her, so she had a personal conversation with us for probably two seconds flat. Or we could go around all the grounds of Buckingham Palace that you guys don't get near because you buy the day pass to go and see the place. You don't get to see the grounds. We had the chance to go wherever we wanted. And we're just nosy. So we did. And the end result, we came out of the Queen's house without ever actually having spoken to the Queen. It's possible to have the opportunity not to have the relationship. And that is what the Jews had. They had, if you like, a mirage kingdom. They thought they were in because they had the opportunity, but they didn't have the relationship. Now, we've got mirage kingdoms, if you like, that today. The Jewish religion was a mirage kingdom. And in the same way, Uh, Lots of us would uh, link up with uh, the Anglican Church. The Anglican Church is also a mirage kingdom. So all the historic denominations, the Eastern Orthodox Church, the Roman Catholic Church, mirage kingdom may give you the opportunity to know Jesus, but you may not have the relationship just because you are in it. And we need to be very careful. The way we say, hey, we ate and drank with Jesus. We had communion with Jesus. We celebrated the Mass. Verse 26, then you will say, we ate and drank with you. But he will reply, I don't know where, I don't know you or where you come from. Away from me. Just staggering, isn't it? That Jesus would say that of the Jewish nation, 
that is, if you like, the biggest group that could lay claim to be God's people. But if Jesus says, away from me to that mirage kingdom, then won't he say that to people who say, hey, I was baptized a Catholic, I must be in the kingdom. I've taken communion every week, I must be in the kingdom. No. You are part of a mirage kingdom. And there's a narrow gate to enter through. Let's go to that now and look at the open kingdom that Jesus talks about. I say open because you're thinking narrow. It must be a restricted kingdom. No, it's an open kingdom because when people ask Jesus, are there going to be few people in verse 23? Will there be few? Jesus answers that question really by saying, by the end of the little speech that he gives, that there'll be people from east, west, north, south. In other words, heaven is going to be filled from all corners of the earth. Yes, the Jews have had their opportunity. They've had the chance to eat and drink with Jesus. He's been teaching in their streets. That's what he says in verse 26. But it's not just the Jews. Right across the world, people have had the opportunities and are coming in. So don't think it's going to be fear. That's not the question. Notice instead what Jesus says next. In verse 24, he says, Make every effort. Uh, can you see what he's saying? He's saying, don't ask, will there be fear? Ask, will there be you? Make every effort. Don't ask, will there be few? Ask, will there be you? That's the question. Now, you might say, hey, when you start talking about making every effort, then aren't you really talking about works rather than grace? Grace is where you make no effort and God makes all the effort to save you. Isn't that how we should be thinking? Make every effort? That sounds a bit dodgy, doesn't it? But actually, it is all about grace that Jesus is talking about. He is talking about uh, a narrow gate, a narrow door. So there is a door, that is grace. grace. So you get grace, not only is telling you that there is a door to enter through, but also then tells you the effect of grace, the effect of that door has on you, is that you then make every effort to get in. If there's uh, no grace, then life will just be about coasting along, going to the synagogue week after week, like the other people of Abraham. But grace brings us to love the Lord Jesus so much that he puts this door in front of us. And grace brings us to love walking through the door to be just like him. Now, 
make every effort if it's to keep the law, that is works. Make every effort with Jesus as your full-on objective, that is grace. That means you will love what he loves. And you will hate what he hates. All these lifestyle choices that he would hate, you would hate. And make every effort to hate. It means that you would go out eating and drinking on the streets and teaching on the streets because you want other people to love him. That is grace. But it requires every effort when that grace has its effect on us. So it is an open kingdom. It sets in front of us God's grace. But it does require the effect of grace in our lives. Grace points to the open door. Make every effort points to what the effect that that has on us, at least what it should be. But it is an open kingdom. You can taste an open kingdom because of what happens for the people who don't get in in verse 28. There will be weeping there and the gnashing of teeth. Now, the sadness that verse 28 is talking about is not someone suffering the fires of hell. Therefore, that's why they're not happy about it. No, weeping and gnashing of teeth, what that really suggests is the intense frustration you feel that you missed out when you were so close, when you were within touching distance of this eternal life because you had food and drink and yet, in the end, did not enter in. Every opportunity was missed. And the gnashing of teeth is what you feel for the whole of eternity, this emotional frustration that you will look back every single day of eternity in hell and you will look back and say how close was heaven. That's what weeping and the gnashing of teeth is uh, telling us. The kingdom is so open and it would have been so easy and you're outside. So what does that tell us? Uh, in terms of what we might take home with us today. First, if you're someone who is maybe off our estate, you're here for the first time, you're not used to church, you're wondering what all this is about, it is very easy to walk in through that door to see a bunch of misfits and to dismiss God completely and say, hey, he can't be that important if it's this bunch that's following him. Hey, my friend, think about what Jesus said about the mustard seed. Think how when Jesus said those words about the mustard seed, it really would have looked like a lost cause. Think what has happened to that lost cause since. And think that Jesus was absolutely right. In which case, enter through the narrow gate. 
make every effort rather than to be found on the outside when the door shuts and that's it, the chance is gone. What about if you're churchy? But I hope that one of the things we've learned today is that it's a bit of a warning, isn't it? The church can be a mirage kingdom. It's very easy for us to ask very self-righteously, Lord, will there be few? Thinking, well, in that case, aren't you happy that I'm here? At least I'm here swaying the numbers. No, Jesus says, the big question is, will there be you? You might be someone who likes the kind of great mass, the ritual, the communion service, and you might like to say, well, I've eaten and drunk with Jesus. And you look at verse 26 and you don't think that's such a clever thing to say. Because people who do that are on the outside. You might say, no, 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 <laughs> I wasn't like that. I went to a Bible teaching church. Uh, I, I, I went to the place where you got the teaching of Jesus straight down. And you look at verse 26 and you say, actually, you taught in our streets. We had a good word from you every time we heard. Now, to say, I have been part of communion services, to say, I've had good sermons, is to sound like the people who are outside the kingdom. That's a bit scary, isn't it? Now, make every effort to come in and to have Jesus as central, not the other things. And then what about you if you are someone who says you love grace, as I would say too? Well, it is grace. There is a wonderful door that God has put in front of us through the cross. And anyone can enter in. But, make every effort. That phrase, make every effort, comes from actually a Greek word. Let's see if I can remember it. It's something like agonizomai. That's where our English word agony comes from. It's what speaks of effort. It speaks of the games, the athletes that were around in those days, the Olympic Games were uh, in operation. And agonizomai is where you put in the effort to get through the running post. It's the word for war. It's where you fight, where you struggle, where you never give up. Because you want nothing to stop you getting through that gate. You don't want any habits, any relationships that are going to keep you on this side. You ditch them and it hurts to get there. But agonizomai is what Jesus is talking about. It is the effect of grace on his disciples. They will make every effort. Because on the last day, they see what putting effort into other things will get you.
and we're getting nowhere. Well, let me stop there. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray first, and then I'll ask the questions or ask four questions that you might have. Let me pray, and then we'll throw it open after that. Let's pray together. Father, we uh, thank you for uh, growing uh, your seed, especially now as we can see what's happened right across the world. But we pray you will also help us not to be deceived by mirage kingdoms that lead us to think that we're in when really we're out. Please would you hold in front of us the treasure of grace of that open door, that open kingdom. And help us to lay hold of grace to make every effort to come to Jesus and to live like him. And we pray that for the glory of his name. Amen.